Episode 16, Return of the Jedi, Part 2, directed by Richard Marquand, from 1983. I'm your host, Jedi Master Mike Windu, and welcome back to the conclusion of the Return of the Jedi chat I had with my Leaf brother, Kyle Reinfried. You'll get that reference if you make it to the end of today's crazy episode. No kidding, folks, I really had to trim this one way, way down. I must have recorded myself reading half the book to Kyle, and had to cut Book Club down to a few real-choice favorites. Also, Kyle and I opened up some Return of the Jedi trading cards, and Kyle reads the back of them. Will he eat 30-year-old gum? You'll have to listen to find out. And finally, my young Padawans, how else do I describe it other than read-along book and record club? You see, I happen to have a couple of those old Star Wars-themed children's books that come with records that you can play and read along with. I dropped the needle on a couple of cool collectible pieces of exclusive Star Wars wax later in this episode. So once again, make sure you tune in all the way to hear what that's all about. Last thing for today, no, no part three. Sorry, but, you know, only one of those per movie, and seeing how this is part two of the Jedi Review, well, no, no part three today. So now it's time to turn off the pod racing, grab some blue milk, and snuggle into your tauntaun, because it's time for part two of The Return of the Jedi. Yeah, so this forest moon of Endor, or for some reason referred to as the Sanctuary Moon. Sanctuary? Yeah, the Emperor calls it that. They mention it that in the book a lot. I want Kashyyyk. Yeah, that's kind of a shame that we didn't get Kashyyyk, but I love... The Wookiee planet for anyone. Yes, Kashyyyk is the Wookiee planet, but we do get that in the holiday special if you're really craving... End episode three. Some action. Oh, that's right, they do show up in episode three, which... Right. I know, but that's just... Uh, I know, it's so quick and abrupt and truncated. Because after episode three, then there's like... there's So there's like a holocaust of Wookiees, and then like whatever surviving Wookiees, there's, they're imprisoned. So I guess since this is after that, like that would have changed the lore of Wookiees, because I think then... Yeah, because I mean, Chewbacca is in episode three, and then and we... Well, that's the thing, <laughs> and we pick up with him in Solo... Yeah. And he's imprisoned. Yeah. Then he's whatever. Then he's freed. But then we also see on um, Kessel there's imprisoned Wookies. So Wookies were sort of there. I heard, thought they were an endangered species. I assume Chewbacca was the only one left, or there are very few left. But no, I think that they're just very like they're probably just powerful, and then they were clearly like broke. I mean, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember watching Solo with you and being and. Like, they're just, oh, they're so strong, they should just, like, break out. They're just so, like, heartbroken, and, like, soul, their yeah, souls have been crushed. Their spirit their is spirit, gone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, True. 
Wookiees. I mean, Chewbacca's got like he's got the blowout in this movie. His like he's got new hairdo. He kind of gets you know he's he's very like slick and shiny in the first. This one he's very much like uh, his hair is more wild and free. Yeah, I feel like he's you know um, sort of like the um, the relative age for Chewbacca because he's like almost two hundred years old by this yeah. point. You know what I'm saying? But like the relative age is like maybe thirty, thirty five, or something like that. <laughs> you know, so like at this point, like he's growing his hair out long and. You know, maybe some of that, you know, skipping a couple shaves, yeah. a couple showers and things. Well, they're, they're in the middle of a war. So well, that as well. Yeah. That yeah. as well. And he's yeah. a great warrior. And the Ewoks are amazing. I still, I want, like, the the saddest, one of the saddest days of my life will be, like, if there's a moment in Star Wars film history that, like, Chewie is killed. Oh, well, I mean, you know, the way that the old characters are fallen by the wayside with the new films i wouldn't be surprised if he makes no. the ultimate sacrifice no. in the next movie no i hope Him not and lando are I hope not. gonna ride off into the sunset on the falcon that would be amazing and then in the last thing you hear is uh l3 going oh guys it's about time you put a voice on me and yeah. the millennium falcon can talk uh, <laughs> that'd be the best and then you can sell talking millennium falcons to all the kids that's the, they're gonna do it Add a bit more campiness to Star Wars that I think it kind of like needs in this new franchise. Well, okay, so one thing I will agree with, it's sort of like lost its way from being wholesome. Force Awakens did a great job, but like Rogue One and Last Jedi are darker, but they're almost a little too serious for Star Wars, which is, I feel, needs ultimately to be family friendly, Yeah. you know, and and that's just too bad if you're older and you don't like that because it's for everybody it's not just for you I, I said earlier it's supposed to bring the inner kid yes out of you. that's what this is so one thing i don't think they should have done is with these blinking ewoks here because he wanted to do it at the time but then he couldn't but now he can i don't know it's just the problem with george lucas i'm an overthinker i think he's an overthinker i, I do love their misunderstanding when they're about to eat the humans and then ultimately, yeah. Luke uses his powers. Like, this is the first time where he, I feel, really shouldn't be using him for this. Well, the palace, too, he did, this, he did the choke, Jabba's palace. That's what. I, that's the thing yeah. I think I'm getting like at. It's like, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, this movie, he sort of, I don't want to say he's like breaking the rules when it comes to using the Force, but like, he's yeah. being extremely liberal with the use of the Force. Like, he's using it for these reasons that I feel Ben would not really yeah. approve. Which I guess is where, like, obviously they were leading in general and then kind of picked up in The Last Jedi, but he definitely, you know, there's always, it's called, like, the light and the dark, and then he's kind of this new gray Jedi. I mean, because Je- clearly yes. the Jedi were flawed. If they weren't, yeah. they'd still be around. I think it's great what they're getting at with that is you shouldn't treat it like a religion. Like, you should you should use the Force and respect it and, and have a relationship with the Force, but you shouldn't group up into cults and band up into, you know, sides of the Force. And, it, like, you have to accept it all or not at all, I, I kind of feel. It's like where they're going with this. And they'll always be Jedi, but we will encounter Force users that have no sort of allegiance or alliance or don't, you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't call themselves a Sith or a Jedi. Mm-hmm. More like Maz, you know, where she's like, I know the Force, but, like, I don't call myself a Jedi. Yeah, well, yeah, but, I, I mean, in the end of the day, in this world, people, when, when you have a certain power, then you'll abuse it, and then other people will just or abuse it or misuse it, or I don't feel, I feel like that's a rap lyric right now. <laughs> Maybe one of the best moments in Star Wars is when 
3PO is recounting their adventures over the last couple of movies and stuff, and he's using the sounds. But just that he's recorded yeah. sort of all the sound effects as he's gone along, like, like as if maybe it was Walker. a new language or yeah. something. In case, yeah, in case he had to communicate with an at-at, right? He could be like, clank, clank. And the Ewoks are just great. They're so forgiving and just like, oh yeah, our bad. I'm sorry we tried to eat you. But like, you know what we'll do now? Like we will lay our lives down for you in trying to destroy the mechanized monsters on the other side of the forest. Oh, and there's Wicket and R2, the two cutest characters. (laughs) Well, Wicket who became... Um, The main Ewok. Yeah. Yeah. I think they knew that they could market him as just a teddy bear. Well, they're, they're all walking, talking teddy bears. Well, the one guy got sick. The one guy was supposed to, to be main, the main Ewok. Warwick Davis, by the time he his mom brought him to the auditions, they had found all the Ewoks they needed. Yeah. But it, he was so expressive in the way that he was wearing the suit and yeah. walking around, and he was only 11, so he... He captured the inner child of the Ewok <laughs> <Yeah>. suit, okay? <laughs> And I I like this idea that they're vicious teddy bears because you always think of teddy bears as being cute and stuff. And these guys have fangs and spears and... And wearing skulls on their heads. (laughs) But they're not all going to stick around and fight because Luke has to find his own way. He has to follow his own destiny. I feel like this Luke-Leia parting is so clunky and handled pretty poorly. It comes off very soap opery. Yeah, and it just flies by. It, it, you know, they just don't have time to fully address it in its proper manner because there's two major bombshells in this scene, and it only has room for one. Yeah, we're siblings and you're Vader's daughter. Right, which they don't even mention Yeah, in that moment. But everyone's thinking it, so it makes it kind of strange. It's a little tough. I wish there was a bit more there with that sequence because it's so pivotal. Yeah, I know in the books and, like, the comics now, Leia has a moment where, you know, with the New Republic in the, was it, the Hondo system? Finn's familiar with the weapon that destroyed the Hosnian system. He worked on the base. Yeah, in Force Awakens, there's, again, like, political corruption, of course. But someone finds out that she is... Vader's daughter, and that's why she's got then kicked out of like the new Senate, and that's why she forms the not the rebellion. What's the, the resistance? resistance? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. That's crazy. I didn't know that. That's a huge scandal. Think about the scandals we have in our world. Do people know that Vader killed the Emperor no. and Luke? So they just think that Lando and the crew and Akbar they just blew up the Death Star, yeah, and, and the Emperor and, the Emperor on, and yeah. Vader happened to yeah. be on it. Well, it's just I mean, Luke is something of like lore and just like really did one guy like kind of how could one man do all that yeah i understand it's strange though that people would send their kids to go get trained by elder luke if they knew that his dad was darth vader like did he not tell his students my father was anakin skywalker darth vader i mean they're gonna see it if they have the sight of the force (laughs) i don't know it's too much it is too much that's why maybe they shouldn't have been brother and sister or this just should have been handled way better with an irving kirshner touch instead yeah it's unfortunate. It's that's the only thing. It's it's such a big pivotal moment and it's one of sort of the worst executed moments. But then it leads to a beautiful moment in the last Jedi of like them meeting up again. It's yeah. crazy how powerful that scene is with like how like weak this scene is. Like the beginning of like I mean not him finding out like that Leia is his sister, but the two of them having like a first conversation as brother and sister and then the last conversation how weak this is and how strong that, that is. <laughs> dude, you're so right. Like right? that is <laughs> 
you know, for whatever else is going on in that movie, I really feel like that moment is so earned. Because I think what they did right is, like, the connection between Luke, Leia, and Kylo Ren. They got that right in the way I wish they got the Vader stuff right with Leia in this. They just needed to bring it up earlier. Yeah. And have Leia come to the realization sooner so that when she's fighting with the Ewoks and with Han in the in the battle for the shield generator, she maybe has like a little more spark to her knowing that the force could be in her. Imagine if like that moment and he's just like, I gotta go off. And she's like, no, but we need you here. And he's just like, no, Ben told me like the force will be with you. And so at the moment when like they're gonna like lose, then she just goes and like all of a sudden picks up the door with the force or... That's what I was thinking. Like when they fumbling around yeah. with the door and trying to open it yeah. up and everything if she just she sort of just closed her eyes and concentrated yeah. and opened the door and that's it that would have been crazy but yeah. nope <laughs> it's okay there's way too much going on at this point like it's very sort of backloaded that's just one thing they could have addressed earlier that would have fixed like a lot of stuff down the line what we do get, though, is the cool sort of, we were talking about way before the third act, where it's like the Ewok battle, the space battle, and the lightsaber duel. Yeah. Like we get the all three going on at the same time with like really great, masterful editing going on with those three sequences. Mm-hmm. You get my goosebumps of the Vader, Luke, and then you get Lando saying yeehaw. <laughs> Right, you get all the different tones that he's trying to yeah, you get, get across. Yeah, get the cool colors and the warm colors, <laughs> and they're just really... Uh, but it's cool because, you're like, on the ground, he gets his Vietnam movie, finally. He get Lucas's <laughs> Apocalypse Now, yeah. basically. Yeah. And then in the air, or in the space, we have his World War II movie going on with mm-hmm. all that. And then in the Death Star, you have your, like, Errol Flynn, that swashbuckling, yeah. like, sword fighting stuff yeah, going on. I so like these that, are, like, yeah. all the three influences that he's been trying to convey in Star Wars. And so here at his ultimate climax for, yeah, the, the, for the, the time being. Yeah, in the ultimate being. battle, we get three different battles. We get the three, like, you know, the, or the things that inspired Star Wars. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I love the Ewoks, but my favorite stuff is between Luke and Vader because it's just the most like central. No. Like it's just stuff well, everything except for that. The conflict, the the drama, anything Oh, I love the taunting. All the, the story Emperor. stuff that's working is them. Like I think all this movie really needs is like the Vader Luke stuff mm-hmm. to complete the story, like yes. the main part of the story, and the rest is all sort of like extra. It's cool, but it's extra. But this movie could be like forty minutes if you boil it down to what it essentially has to be and mm-hmm. talk about. But that stuff's great. There's so much good stuff about it in the book, too. But just everything between them accepting who they are at this point. You know, I accept I am your son and I accept that I am your father. Yeah. Them accepting, like, and learning that and accepting it, but not obviously agree. Yes. having their, Still having their own motivations and yeah. scheming and plotting against each yeah. other. And it's just like we have, like, this is the Luke I love. The, the hopeful Luke. The Luke that is just like, no, there's still good in you. And maybe that's why I get what has led to Luke being the way he is in Last Jedi. Not to make this a whole Last Jedi like episode. But it's just <laughs> like there's been so much time in between and I understand the big thing of Ben and everything. Yeah. But it just having the, the last time of me seeing Luke being so hopeful and then then just the ulti- the hermit and shutting himself off from the force. It was just like I want I wanted to see a bit more like happy Luke. 
like if this if the new trilogy began with and I'm I'm not saying like let's just keep it on our old characters I'm I would welcome new characters but if it began with the academy and then there's a turn and like the middle one is just like everyone the academy is killed except for Ray and Ben and then the third one is like Luke is just so disheartened that like Ray has to then kill Ben or something like that like I don't know but I, like that's just me what's really interesting about the new Star Wars films is they're breaking from the film language of these Star Wars films like there's no flashbacks in these there's they're all told in linear continuity and order and so what they've sort of slowly been doing with the new movies is like dropping in flashbacks and visions and dreams and like extra stuff that you get in modern filmmaking with techniques and storytelling techniques so I would not put it past episode 9 to maybe even start with Luke's Academy you know what I'm saying and actually showing like that in its heyday and so that way the fans will get to have their Luke and see what he's been up to between episodes 6 and 7 and then Ray can maybe it could be a vision of her or she's sharing a vision with Kylo Ren or something and then or she's we're snapped back to reality. Because a ghost is like, precisely. Saying, like, let me show you the flaw. Well, how cool would it be for an expansion of the Force Ghost power for him to be able to guide her through one of her visions, you know, as yeah, a Force like Ghost? Almost like a three-eyed like, raven of Game of Thrones. In a way, yeah. <laughs> or like, think of it as virtual reality. Like, Ray, yeah, I'm yeah. going to walk you through this memory I have. Yeah. And, you know... But yeah, so ultimately the heroes on the ground on the sanctuary moon, they're successful, not without tremendous sacrifice from our fine furry friends. Yeah, Bothans and Ewoks. Really, (laughs) man. The third party aliens who are, you know, really responsible for taking down the the Empire in this movie. Mm -hmm. So in the space battle, there's one, there's only one thing I really wanted to mention because like, aside from Akbar's. oh wait, hold on, before we get to that, one last thing we should probably mention on the forest moon here, Han Solo's squad of rebels. Rex. <laughs> Rex, right? Yeah, so, it's now been confirmed. I love there's two things in now, like, movie history that have been confirmed by, like, other movies coming after it or shows. Clone Wars and Rebels, there's the clone trooper Rex, especially in Rebels, because then he's, like, bald and has a gray beard or whatever. And now that's been confirmed that that was him on, like, Han Solo's squad. He could have been leading somebody. He didn't need to just be part of, you That's know, true. We never, we only get one shot of him, so we don't know what else he was up to on that, on that mission. But really. I love little he things like be... that. So, like, now, like, in Iron Man 2, it's been confirmed that the kid oh, right. Iron Man saves is Spider- The is, little is boy a, at the expo Peter Parker. is Peter yeah. Parker. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. It fits and it's fun. The reason I like it, and I think it works in Star Wars, is because they've been peppering in Rebels characters yeah. in the new movies too and so i really like rebels i really like those characters and and what they're doing over there on that show so the more crossover with that it's fine plus that's their ultimate goal anyway yeah i don't know what a clone's life expectancy is when they're not on the battlefield and like you know because i've just figured most of them die from being shot to death yeah or blown up on the battlefield like how long can a clone live yeah that'd be an interesting concept their their early stages are sped up mass producing them for the clone wars well imagine boba fett because he was never accelerated he grew up like a real boy but he's still a clone so then he got eaten by a sand monster. But, like, if he had grown to old age, what would his old age have been? Could he have been, like, 300 years old because he's a clone and he's got, like, science in him? Yeah. But so we have Lando flying his old ship again, which is really cool with his new co-pilot. Co-pilot is still alive, at least. He was seen in... Oh, that's right. Force Awakens. I don't remember. He's, in the fi- he's definitely in The Last Jedi, because he's in the final shot of The Last oh, Jedi. Oh, yeah, he or is. The second, yeah, 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 before yeah. the Broom Boy stuff, yeah. he's in the final shot of like our yeah, main Yeah, what I crew. thought was going to be the final shot. 
Here's here's just a little thing. This is all they say about the Battle of Tanab, and there isn't much more online about it. But you know, apparently Lando Calrissian thinks he was chosen for this mission because someone heard about that little maneuver that he pulled. But in fact, it was Han Solo being like, "No, like I trust this guy." Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just gonna read real quick what Lando has to say about the Battle of Tanab. Lando laughed affectionately. I'm a man of many faces and many costumes. Someone <laughs> must have told them about my little maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. Tanab was an agrarian planet raided seasonally by bandits from Norulak. Calrissian, before his stint as governor of Cloud City, had wiped out the bandits against all odds, using legendary flying and unheard of strategies, and he'd done it on a bet. That's it. We don't get any word of what... I guess we're seeing what his maneuvers are during the final battle. Yeah. Those must be the same ones he pulled over to Nab, but I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, legendary moves, but then Han Solo is better than him, so I don't know, you know. Like, is he better? I guess not. But like, it wasn't him flying, it was just him, like, oh, we should use L3. It, to me, always seemed like teamwork, though. That whole Kessel run, it wasn't just Han Solo flying, it was like Chewie navigating, and Lando yeah. talking to the computer, and Kira doing something, encouraging him. I don't remember quite what she was doing. <laughs> she was doing something. Even in this movie, it's not like Luke does everything alone. He's got this entire support team, the, the Rebel Alliance, helping him yeah. get his back. I love Star Wars, but it's got flaws. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to mention about the final confrontation? here between Luke, Vader, and the Emperor before we move on, because I feel like we're coming to the end here. It's impossible to talk about everything in one episode, so. <laughs> well, I guess I love the taunting of the Emperor. I love, like, like Luke pretty much, he goes to the dark side to win, but then ultimately then, like, comes out of it. And so, like, this is just, like, Luke, like, uses the strength of the dark side to defeat Vader in, like, a physicality, because he uses hate and anger of to best him physically, but then, like, flips the switch and goes back to like the zen monkness of no you'll never turn me it's interesting how he's able to do that to sort of tap into the dark side and then not be possessed by it and obsessed by it and actually you know it's like kind of reminds me of Grandmaster in Doctor Strange where she taps into like the dark energies to stay immortal but like she doesn't get like seduced by that power the way that Hannibal did (laughs) the guy who played Hannibal I can't remember (laughs) right now but (laughs) that's why for me I I like what ended up ultimately happening with Lucas because he's a very complex character like it feels more realistic that he would be conflicted or have issues or like it's not like he never tried I think he just knew when to call it a day Eventually, it is the self-sacrifice. I think he was finally able to see beyond his own lifespan, is that, like, you know, the world will go on when I'm not here. Yeah, exactly, but I do But I do need to be, like, a part of it and do this thing. Right, in order for it to still be there, I have to come back, I have to go yeah, back into the world. Yeah, I can't just be sitting around. I yeah, can't just lock, you gotta lock, get back lock, in the lock, game. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I've been... I mean, I already, I've... Passionately expressed earlier, just like my goosebumps and love of that Vader Luke, as brief as it is, just like and that and that shot that Dolly is with them and everything like that. Yeah, I mean we haven't exactly been talking in strict order here, but we are here at the end as we're recording, watching it a little in the background here. So yeah, and just I mean again, seeing like the space battle, like I love like cutting from an X-wing pilot that's getting shot down and crashing into one of the you know starfighters or something like that, and then you cut to inside Emperor taunting Luke, but in that window behind him, you see that space battle that was just so intense that you were watching. But I mean all that stuff. But I mean this is it's just cool that we finally then. All also get a, the, the pyre. 
do you remember the first time you watched this and the Emperor shot lightning bolts out of his hands? <laughs> I remember that. It was like insane. I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah, what a crazy thing to add. And then again, like, I don't know. So the Emperor... He, to me, feels like, like a true like medieval wizard yeah, stuck that's in space. Like, I don't know if he's supposed to be the same as like Darth Vader. And it's like Darth Vader in this doesn't use lightning, but then I think in certain video games he's done it. Like, But then we see Dooku use it. So that becomes like a Sith thing. I mean, I think it was supposed to be almost like that is something that clearly... And also the Emperor, I think he like his species, although he's old, is supposed to be wrinkly looking like that because some of his Wait, servants he's, look like that. Isn't he from Naboo? Yeah, but not not in this. And then he becomes wrinkly like that because, oh, because Mace of Windu his holding... With Mace Windu. Yeah, yeah. holding the lightsaber and th- that evil electricity going back and like wrinkling him. But then it should but, have wrinkled Luke. Like the, that's what Force Lightning does. If it, like, makes you all sort of, like, disgusting Well, looking. I guess if you're the one using it and it's going back Oh, okay, to you, so it's, like, the rebound? Yeah, the <laughs> like, rebound, like, the evil that you're Oh, uh, we'll get to out. episode three. I mean, even on Third Time's a Charm, we're going to tackle that because it is a part yeah. three. But, yes, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on there where it's like, here's where this came from, here's where this came from, here's why this looks like that, and this is why this is this. And uh, it I've just... got a bad feeling about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be a fun show, but <laughs> regardless. My biggest thing about watching it again this time was here especially in the Death Star I got that very everybody felt very medieval to me Vader finally came across as the Black Knight Luke as sort of like this Lancelot or King Arthur type of guy yeah the young Arthur yeah and I'm loving it it's great even this time even for like the hundredth time it's still a lot of fun yeah and then just the reveal of what's underneath Vader's mask the slice in his head and all that so not gonna lie kind of underwhelmed as a kid first reaction because I was very young and at the time the Batman 66 show was on Nick at Night a lot I was like he looks like Egghead <laughs> from the Batman very, universe yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like a little but then over the over time and over the years I really liked it I really accepted the look of Anakin at the end there I, I just love that this sort of contrast between the sharp evil like brutalness of his exterior you know just how instantly it's like a black skull it just yeah. strikes fear in your heart and then you take it off and it's he's just like a weak pale yeah like an, an old man like looks like my uncle <laughs> kind of <laughs> when we see the Anakin force ghost the original Anakin force ghost looks more like my uncle when he's healthy looking and stuff like that in his bathrobe but I'm fine with it now sure it would have been cooler if maybe he was sort of Freddy Kruegered a little bit but the idea that he's been healing in a back to tank his entire life since he's been Darth Vader yeah. and that you know they've been rebuilding him and I'm sure he's had like stem cell treatments and stuff and all yeah. kinds like at this point, on. it's just like his obviously lungs were just too destroyed, and then you, you can't grow limbs back. So, which okay, why can't they grow limbs back in the Star Wars universe? They could do so much with science. It's kind of a little weird that they can't grow a hand. Oh, if you got a good robot, I mean, the robot hand is just as good as a. Maybe it's even better. Good call because it could grab stuff that's hot. Yeah, and you can get shot in it, and like quickly rebuild it and they have the skin they have the skin stuff around it 
That's true. They do have which like, is again the cool stuff skin. between the prequel and then because then like it's not like Anakin doesn't have that like the fake skin on his, but that's cool that they made it a mm-hmm. thing in you know this world. I mean, obviously they did it so you you didn't have to have the practical effect of a robot hand on Luke. And then, yes. And then when he gets shot, they even put a glove over it so you don't have to have the constant makeup art looking yes. like his robot hand. So it is a, a practicality of the time, but then that's cool that they're like, ooh, it should be that like 30 years ago we didn't have the technology to put the fake skin over it. Cool. I yeah. Like it. I dig it. Also, I mean, it is way more cinematic, right? If you have like a Terminator arm instead yeah. of just like another loser human arm growing out of your stupid shoulder again. All right. And then victory. <laughs> For Star Wars, one of the big, like, you know, the final <laughs> battle of this of this trilogy movie that has changed cinematic history. You know, the victory, you know? <laughs> that's how George said it. And then yeah, they win. And then they win. And it's yeah. over, and yeah. that's right. Yeah. I wonder at this Ewok feast how much Stormtrooper meat is being passed around. <laughs> Maybe like in a separate tent away from the other humans. No way. You see like, I bet there's a... The del- helmets. I bet there's a deleted, just like a shot of a Chewbacca yeah. like holding a leg. No. <laughs> One in Endor. Uh, this movie has probably the most Star Wars crimes against it with the blinking, the ADRing, and that whole mess at Jabba's Palace. And then replacing the Ewoks music at the end. Now listen, granted, that song wasn't like amazing, I fucking love the Yub Yub song. But but it's so well known at this point. Like, yeah. why change something like that? It's the only movie that changes not one, but two musical cues drastically. Yeah. And the same goes for that Jabba song in the original. It's not like it was amazing or anything, but it just at this point, it's stuck in your head to hear anything else just feels wrong. Yeah, and then to bastardize it with, like, a CGI character, a really bad CGI character singing and stuff like that. But I love... You know what? Maybe, I guess my favorite shot's of Luke are like look at this shot with the fire and then I think of the tree on fire with him and Yoda and that's cool that they made it like so he becomes a force ghost but he didn't didn't disappear that's what I'm assuming because he didn't disappear on the Death Star he just he died and he drags him onto the shuttle and then they're burning you know so one thing that's kind of still up in the air is, you know, exactly what happens when a Jedi dies, because some of them disappear and some of them don't because Qui-Gon didn't he got burned up too yeah. So that destroys my theory that if you have ever turned to the dark side, you won't vanish. So I don't know what is going on with all that. Maybe the vanishing and then thing is the one that teaches Obi. Well, te- is then communicating with Yoda in between Episode One and Three. And it's canon that Qui-Gon was the first to be a Force ghost, too. But, well, not a Force ghost, but communicate. A voice from beyond. A voice from beyond, yeah. Yeah, because Yoda eventually even comes in. In the Clone Wars series, he comes in contact with, like, a, a Sith Force ghost yeah. at one point, too. So, I mean, and even the witches of Dathomir become Force ghosts at some point and everything. So, there are levels to all that stuff, too. But this is the special edition, Kyle, so brace yourself, okay? No, <laughs> it's Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Looking kind of devious. Did I wait? Did I mention already that he didn't when they were sh- shooting this? Like, and I guess it was from in front of a green screen or whatever. He didn't know what it was going to be used for. Oh, so really? So he said he said like he I would have tried to add a like a little done something instead from like instead sneer. of just blankly staring. That's how they conclude the special editions now, but that's not how they conclude. The Return of the Jedi that I watch when I sit down to watch Return of the Jedi. I always sit down and watch theatrical cut, even though the best copy of it that I have is on a VHS tape. I mean, I have the DVD they released a while ago, but it's like cropped. It's in 
standard definition. Now, now finally, thanks to $78 billion or whatever, 78 point whatever billion dollars, I think finally we'll get an original cut just like remastered on Blu-ray. They have the rights. So that was quite a chat about <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Of the movie, but... That's just the movie, man. Wait, wait, That's wait. just part one. <laughs> yeah, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back with the book club. And more, actually. So there's more to just book club today, Kyle. So this is a Wax Packs, a Return of the Jedi, 10 cards, one sticker, one stick of bubble gum. From 83? 1983. <laughs> you do not have to eat it here. Thank you. All yeah. right, but I thought it would be kind of fun to open up some of these cards. What was that? That was for what? That was Superman 3 cards. Right? Yeah, so we opened up a pack on, on of Superman 3 when we were watching... Bad Lieutenant. Bad Lieutenant, Port yeah. of Call New Orleans. Cage Club Revisited. Uh, and I got, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I actually went and opened a pack Wait, on my own. Was, how much was that before. worth? You just threw away money. I just threw away $3. So this was the first pack I opened after that day. Because I was like, oh, I got to check out one oh, of these wait, packs. Open, wait, didn't you just open it? No, no. This So this pack I had opened. I just oh, wanted okay. you to check out what the cards oh, looked okay. like and everything. And then we'll open at least one more pack Luke here. Skywalker. Let's see. Can I get, may, may, may I read that? Absolutely. Luke card? Luke Skywalker. Tatooine farm boy turned rebel warrior. Luke Skywalker uses his Jedi powers to defend the galaxy against the evil, comma, aggressive galactic empire. <laughs> so what pack should we open here? Should we open Luke, Vader, or Wicket? I mean, I gotta go with Vader. Okay. Wait, what was on the other packet? Jabba. There's uh, there's only four designs. Uh, wait, Jabba looks so weird there. It's he just, does. He just looks like a big green rock. rock. <laughs> yeah, he does. He well, looks like so a rock So we opened monster. up a bad guy. Do we open up a good guy then? I guess. Maybe I should save these two, huh? And open, we'll open up yeah, the open Ewok. Up, yeah, exactly. Save okay. the Luke and... That's cool. Save the Luke Invader unopened. Yeah. All right, here, you open it. What? Because you're the guest. Oh, thank you. Wait, yeah, I mean, I get to those? keep them, so you may as well open them. Like, I want to read them on Mothma... <laughs> card as well. Oh, yeah, I got a couple good it's ones. Because it's a dating, again, it's like a dating profile. Mon Mothma, leader of the Rebel Alliance, is a woman committed to the concept of freedom. Hers is an awesome responsibility. Thwart the evil, aggressive empire, and the same time hold rebel losses to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they put the stick of gum literally? It's not. The stick of gum isn't wrapped separately. The stick of gum is stuck to a back of a card. Oh man, I heard that. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, he's gonna do it. Don't no, do no, it. Don't no, do no, it. Don't do it. do it. I can't. That was such a horrible chalky. It just disintegrated. All right, so so we've got a heroes in disguise with uh, oh. Lando and well, heroes in disguise. She's not in disguise. No, yeah. She, Leia's not wearing the mask. She's got her Boosh costume on minus the mask. Okay. So we got a Han Solo card. I'll definitely oh, read that. Very nice. All right. We've got a droids on the move, and it's just right, R2 in and on Endor. We've got a a monstrous fate. Uh, so it's right before Luke is supposed to be dropped oh. into the Sarlacc pit. Nice, a Sarlacc card. Um, so oh, look, that's a pretty good they, exactly view. they say about that. Then we've got Imperial Scout, Peril, uh, exclamation point. It's when the scout comes up behind Leia. We've got a... Oh, that's, that's oh it's a sticker. Oh, yeah, that oh, forms a, a puzzle. Whoa. Right, yeah, you get stickers. What is that? Oh, it's oh, Boosh. Yeah. Nice, the mighty Boosh. And then the confrontation, and that's Vader and Emperor, like... Uh, Ember hitting Luke with... Oh, it's Force Lightning? lightning? Yeah, oh, Force look lightning. at that. Force Lightning card. Oh, that's a that's a nice frame, yeah. yeah. Battle in the Forest, just a gen- like a you know pretty generic shot of like C-3PO, R2. 
Oh, there's some great artwork on the back. This looks a lot like the droids on the move card. Captured by the Ewoks. And then, as I said before, a Bib Fortuna with a gum stain on it. <laughs> Alright, so this is Han Solo. Formerly a space pirate. Now respected rebel general. <laughs> uh, Han Solo was suspended in carbon freeze by Darth Vader and later freed by Princess Leia. That's all? That's all <laughs> that's, that's on all. there? That's uh. Han Solo. <laughs> that's because he wanted to be dead in this movie. Bib Fortuna, inside Jabba the Hutt's Desert Palace, C-3PO and R2-D2 are... Co- oh, so this isn't a profile. Are, oh, it's, n- it's not about him. by the grotesque <laughs> Bib Fortuna. Right-hand man of Jabba. Okay. All right. Well, well, the cards were fun. Yeah. So also before we get to book club, I found some of these. Check these out. These are 24-page read-along record and book combinations. Whoa. And I have two of them. I have one for Return of the Jedi, the Ewoks Join the Fight, Whoa. which is basically the battle on Endor. Mm-hmm. And then I have one, the Ewok Adventure, which is basically the entire movie, the Ewok Adventures, with Sindel and Mace. So, yeah, these are pretty cool, too. So this is sort of book club. It's book club meets record club. But it's pretty cool. Like, this book, it's the entire their entire adventures on Endor. So here, let me play just a, a little bit for you, Kyle. Please. Okay, Kyle, here we go. That night in the chief's hut, the little creature that had helped Leia chattered excitedly. C-3PO translated. His name is Wicked, and he is telling the chief about the evil Imperial Scouts. He is asking the tribe to help us. The Ewoks then shouted their agreement. They vowed to fight the Empire. Han grinned. Well... Short help is better than no help. Luke whispered to Leia. I must go to the Death Star and try to save Darth Vader. There is good in him. You see, he is my father. Jeez, that was an after-school special. He's my father. (laughs) They kind of gloss over it in that, too. They never mention that. He's also Leia's father. <laughs> but I like that. I think that was kind of, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is, again, that is a weird part that it's just, it's the double reveal, but it's, it's like, Luke's my father, but it's okay, because I have a sister. So it's just like, it's not even saying, and he's, it's never said like, he's your father too. Right. Like, we're fucked up. This right. is a fucked right. up family. <laughs> like, You're my brother, like, you he's remember, my father. Do you remember your mother? Like, I don't. Like She does in the book. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so here's just a little brief part from the Ewok adventure. After the Ewoks had set up camp that night, Mace found a hole in the ground filled with thousands of tiny, twinkling creatures. They were Wisties. With a burst of laughter, they all sprayed up in a dazzling shower of brilliance, lighting up the whole camp. Sindel stepped out of her tent, carrying her eternal candle. The Wisties danced wildly around the tiny flame. Laughing madly, they swirled right into the candle and disappeared. Mace glanced at the tall grass near the Ewoks' camp and discovered a faint flickering. Why, it's one of the light people. Hey, little one, you must have gotten lost. The Wistie danced about Mace's head, laughing and giving off a soft light. You should have a name. How about Isrina? Here, you can ride in my shirt pocket. <laughs> so Wisties, Kyle. Wisties exist on Endor. They are they are like little magical light 
creatures that fly around and are attracted to light and things so like fairies, fairies. Yeah, yeah basically fairies. Okay, fairies yeah there's fairies on endor and there is also this awesome giant creature that they have to save Sindel and mace's parents from it's called the gorax yeah that thing scared me when i was little the gorax is pretty amazing i love it and they fight the gore they go into the gorax lair fight him and like end up like pushing him down like some kind of chasm the same way the Emperor dies. Like they basically, it's a trope in Star Wars, just fall down a really long pit. Dar- Darth Maul, he's cut in half. But he survived that. Survives, yeah. But he does fall down a long But thing. he does I'm fall down. Think. I mean, hey, if it happens at least three times, I feel like it's a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so those are, I only have two records of those. I actually have Star Wars, the movie, read on record. Ooh. So here is the original soundtrack. The story of Star Wars includes full-color picture book. It's not quite a read-along. Yeah. But here, why don't you hold this? Yeah, please. And flip yeah. through that, and yeah. I'll put this on for a minute. I'll put yeah. on just a second of this record as well. It includes full-color picture book uh, from the original soundtrack, The Story of Star Wars. I like this 3PO R2-D2. It's got the shuttle of the escape pod. Clear bay 327. We're opening the magnetic field. Solo and his passengers cautiously emerge from the Millennium Falcon. They quickly overcome two troopers standing guard and steal their uniforms. Luke and Han Solo enter the corridor dressed as Imperial Stormtroopers. The robots lead them to one of the Battle Station System's control terminals. We found the computer outlet, sir. Plug in. He should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. He says he's found the main controls to the power beam that's holding the ship here. A power loss at one of the terminals will allow the ship to leave. I don't think your boys can help. I must go alone. Your destiny lies along a different path from mine. The Force will be with you. Always. As Ben leaves, R2 discovers a staggering piece of information. Princess Leah is being held in the Death Star's detention block. And Freepio's interpretation ends on a chilling note. I'm afraid she's scheduled to be terminated. So this appears to be a mix of narration and the actual audio track soundtrack of the movie combined here. It's pretty yeah. interesting. So the guy's even reading the opening crawl and everything, and uh, this is pretty cool. I never listened to this whole thing. You know, I got these when I was a DJ to sort of cut these up and use them as, like, scratch wax and stuff and, and to incorporate them into different songs and things but I never ended up doing that and now they're in pretty good shape this one is really good condition you know very cool yeah. so yeah it's not like I'm going to be expanding this show into record club also I'm not going to go searching for you know the records for Robocop 3 or Terminator 3 or Back to the Future 3 or however if they are out there and you want to send them to me I will accept them but I don't know if well you know what now I might be talking myself into <laughs> tracking <laughs> tracking down record adaptations of movies um, okay, Kyle, so here we are at the official book club section for Return of the Jedi, the novelization for which I have read. And I showed you this. I found my classic Star Wars A New Hope novelization I read in high school. Mm. And in it, we found a movie stub. <laughs> yeah. Did a ticket stub for February 24th, 1994, Rumble in the Bronx, Theater One at the Route 4 Templex. Is that Jackie Chan? That was Jackie Chan. That was like right at the beginning of his Him American over, yeah. sort of takeover. Wow. Yeah. I remember seeing that. That was a lot of fun. That's when he Rush got run over. Three. 
Rush Hour 3. <laughs> I'm saying. Yeah, we can come back for Rush Hour. I've it never seen Rush Hour 3. I've it's, seen the first I've two. I've seen parts of it. It's it's not good. Yeah, it's a lot of, like, just Chris Tucker's, just like his acting style is a lot of yelling. And Lee, come on, it, Lee! It's, like, cool for, like, one and a half movies. And then it's like, ah, I wish it kind of was just Jackie Chan kicking ass yeah. more often. But, hey, that second one's a riot. I would love an, a third Shanghai of his movie because there's Shanghai yeah. Noon and Shanghai Nights. Shanghai Noon's a great movie. It's a lot yeah. of fun. That's really awesome. I'm a, I mean, I'm a big fan of westerns anyway, so. And, uh, wow. Wow. Hey. Almost. Wow. Oh, yeah. Did you kick that guy yeah, in the face? What is <laughs> These are our Owen Wilson impressions. Yeah. Wow. Owen Wilson in wow. Star Wars. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, we, I was just going to say. Go. The, yeah. The what? <laughs> what would wow. he Wow! Oh, with wow. the lightsabers. Yeah, you ever, you've seen that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, the, someone dueling with lightsabers wow. and putting wow. Wow. Wilson wow. But, but if he was, what if he was actually in Star Wars? Who, who would he? Hey, also, well, that's the whole wow, thing in man. Armageddon. He's talking with Ben Affleck. And he's like, "It's just like Star Wars." He's like, "You know, like," and he's just like, "Yeah." And Ben Affleck is like, "Yeah, I'd be Han and you'd be Chewie." He's like, "Chewie, have you ever even seen Star Wars?" Because <laughs> he's like the cowboy in that movie. Name one one person you would love to see in a Star Wars movie. I think for me it was um, Forrest Whitaker, and he is in one. <laughs> he yeah. plays one of my favorite uh, characters. Ooh. But if you could say to JJ, "Oh wow, put this guy That's in there." Tough. Well, God knows if he was still with us, I would have loved to have seen Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, he would have been really cool. But uh, I guess that would have been too similar to because I don't see him as a Jedi, so I guess a political figure. So then that would have been no, too similar not to even. I could see him as like a merchant or something, oh, some sort of yeah, like yeah, yeah. info dealer of some kind. Yeah, he could have like done like Benicio del like, Toro's role. Bring, in bring this back to Ray. Yeah. Hey, BB-8. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hear him say BB-8. BB-8. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, yeah, Poe Dameron. Uh, you're, you're just, you're too reckless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get in the book club, and away we go. I've got a bunch of marks here. I'm not sure if they're all going to stay in. So if you're a listener, you know what book club is. It's where I read the novelization and look for passages that I find interesting or entertaining or relate more in-depth to certain characters in the movie. In this case, there's a lot of Luke and Vader stuff, cool. but there's a lot of other stuff, Which too. Which is the best stuff. But I'm going to start with Jabba, because <laughs> there's like some really cool descriptions of him and his court oh, right. in this book. So on page 7, it starts with this. It says, Jabba was the vilest gangster in the galaxy. He had his fingers in smuggling, slave trading, murder. His minions scattered across the stars. He both collected and invented atrocities, and his court was a den of unparalleled decay. It was said by some that Jabba had chosen Tatooine as his place of residence because only in this arid crucible of a planet could he hope to keep his soul from rotting away altogether. Here, the parched sun might bake his humor to a festering brine. Yikes. All right. So... But I'm messing around when it comes to Jabba, like murderer, slave trader, yeah, how like does... terrorist. He's the worst of the. He's not just a gangster. He's like a terrorist. How does a giant slug gain its power? <laughs> That's like you know, like at any moment someone could just like blast him. Maybe fear of of retaliation. Yeah. There's a lot of huts out there. They have their own homeworld. Hey, people speak their language. You know what I'm saying? Hatties is like the second most common language in the Star Wars universe after wow. basic human. Huh. So over the millennia, they must have carved a pretty hefty space out in the cosmos there. 
Um, so here's a bit of Lando because I thought it was kind of cool. Like there's a little bit, little bits of Lando peppered throughout this book, mm-hmm. and his state of mind is always that he's basically the best. Well, not only the best, but that he's playing a game. Like this is all a game, and he's like the ace in the hole, or like he's a wild card, or like that's like a deuce and stuff. Like it's weird. Like he just keeps referring to himself and what's going on in gambling terms most of the time. Yeah, he's got a problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you know someone that has a gambling problem, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here I just wanted to read a little bit of Lando at, at Jabba's Palace. Hidden behind a half mask of pit board teeth was a human in the uniform of a skiff guard, Lando Calrissian. Chewbacca gave no sign of recognition, nor did he resist the guard who now escorted him from the room. Lando had managed to infiltrate this nest of maggots months earlier to see if it was possible to free Solo from Jabba's imprisonment. He'd done this for several reasons. First, because he felt, correctly, that it was his fault Han was in this predicament, and he wanted to make amends, provided, of course, he could do so without getting hurt. Blending in here, like just one of the pirates, was no problem for Lando, although mistaken identity was a way of life with them. Second, he wanted to join forces with Han's buddies at the top of the Rebel Alliance. They're out to beat the Empire, and he wanted nothing more in his life now than to do just that. The Imperial Police had moved in on his action once too often, so this was a grudge match now. Besides, Lando liked being part of Solo's crowd, since they seemed to be right up at the business end of all the action against the Empire. Third, Princess Leia had asked him to help, and he just never could refuse a princess asking for help. Besides, you never know how she might thank you one day. (laughs) (laughs) So he's doing things because, like, someone's, like, the Empire has just, like, screwed him over too many times. He's thinks of himself as just, like, a great gambler and, like, you know, can get away with stuff. And then he's hoping that, like, Leia pleasures him someday. That Lando man, what a character! Great. Imagine if they ended up together. <laughs> well, of... we already decided he's going to end up with Chewie. Yeah, right. No, but I'm saying like <laughs> Han and Leia didn't end up together. Imagine that's how they started this new one. We find out that Lando and Leia had a kid, and... or you just find out that they had had an affair when Han left. Yeah. As a, speaking of Han, here's a bit of the carbonite sickness, which I thought was really cool because we only hear about carbonite sickness. But this is this is a bit of what happens when you come out of. Uh, this is a bit of a description of the um, um, carbonite sickness, like the hypersleep that he was in. Oh. His senses assaulted him all at once. The air bit at his skin with a thousand icy teeth. The opacity of his sight was impenetrable. Wind seemed to rush around his ears at hurricane volumes. He couldn't feel which way was up. The myriad smells filling his nose made him nauseous. He couldn't stop salivating. All his bones hurt. And then came the visions. Visions from his childhood, from his last breakfast, from 27 piracies, as if all the images and memories of his life had been crammed into a balloon, and the balloon popped, and they all came bursting out now, randomly, in a single moment. It was nearly overwhelming. It was sensory overload, or more precisely, memory overload. Men had gone mad in these first minutes following decarbonization, hopelessly, utterly mad, unable to ever again to reorganize the 10 billion individual images that comprised a lifespan into any kind of coherent, selective order. That was overwhelming. (laughs) Crazy, right? It's more like carbonite madness than carbonite sickness. I mean, it's I, I get it. It makes sense. Then exactly, you know, like that's not what I feel like I experienced on screen. No, because he's just shivering yeah. on screen. And why, why can't I see? Yeah. Where am I? Who are you? What's going on? I thought that was a cool description. I always wondered what it was like. Yeah. 
Made me think of young Superman in Man of Steel when he starts getting his powers. Makes you think, do you wonder if, like, there's people out there that are, like, carbonite junkies that, like, freeze themselves for a couple hours just to wake up and have this feeling of madness and stuff? But at the same time, it's interesting because it wasn't, like, that wasn't used for people, and weren't they, they were going to test it on Han to make sure Luke would survive it? Good call. It's hard to tell if it's ever been used on a person before or after. Yeah, but then that made it seem like it then was. So this is, um, I just wanted to mention this because this ties in, I feel like this, this passage ties into The Last Jedi a lot, and this is right when Yoda died, and this is how Luke is feeling when Yoda passes away. On page 61, Luke sat beside the small, empty bed for an hour, trying to fathom the depth of this loss. It was unfathomable. His first feeling was one of boundless grief for himself, for the universe. How could such a one as Yoda be gone forever? It felt like a black, bottomless hole had filled his heart, where the part that was Yoda had lived. Luke had known the passing of old mentors before. It was helplessly sad, and inexorably a part of his own growing. Is this what coming of age was, then? Watching beloved friends grow old and die? Gaining a new measure of strength or maturity from their powerful passages? A great weight of hopelessness settled upon him, just as all the lights in the little cottage flickered out. For several more minutes he sat there, feeling it was the end of everything, that all the lights in the universe had flickered out. The last Jedi, sitting in a swamp, while the entire galaxy plotted the last war. The last Jedi. Yeah. This is the main one I wanted to get out, though. So on a page 114, everybody is sort of pleading with the Ewoks. It feels like a deleted scene, and they're saying, you have to help us. This is why we're here to fight. You know, this is basically what's been going on. This is like right after 3PO tells the story, but before they agree to be part of the tribe and everything and help. There's a little bit more in the book. And you have Han Solo asking for help. You have Leia asking for help. You have Luke trying to explain, like, what the Force is and everything. And then you have Wicket making a speech. Whoa. And he makes this speech, which is crazy. I imagine it's going to be the same as, like, John Belushi in Animal House. Yes, yeah. It kind of... The Germans have Pearl Harbor! (laughs) (laughs) But it's just amazing because... This is the most, like, it's an it's unheard of to think that the Ewoks, like, this is what's being translated by 3PO, and it's insane. On page 114, Wicked pleads with the elders of his clan. So, let's see. Wicked had been observing these proceedings with increasing concern from the sidelines. On several occasions, it was apparent he was restraining himself with great difficulty from entering the council's discourse. But now he jumped to his feet paced the width of the hut several times, finally faced the elders, and began his own impassioned speech. Eep, eep, meep, eek, squee! 3PO (laughs) translated for his friends. Honorable elders, we have this night received a perilous, wondrous gift, the gift of freedom, this golden god. Here 3PO paused in his translation just long enough to savor the moment, then went on. This golden god, whose return to us has been prophesied since the first tree, tells us now he will not be our master, tells us we are free to choose as we will, that we must choose, as all living things must choose their own destiny. He has come, honorable elders, and he will go. No longer may we be slaves to his divine guidance. We are free, yet how must we comport ourselves? Is an Ewok's love of the wood any less because he can leave it? No, his love is more because he can leave it, yet he stays. So is it with his voice of the Golden Ones. We can close our eyes, yet we listen. His friends will tell us of a force, a great living spirit, of which we are all a part. Even as the leaves are things separate, yet part of the tree. We know this spirit, honorable elders, though we call it not the force. 
The friends of the Golden One tell us this force is in great jeopardy, here and everywhere, when the fire reaches the forest. Who is safe? Not even the great tree of which all things are part, nor its leaves, nor its roots, nor its birds. All are in peril, forever and ever. It is a brave thing to confront such a fire, honorable elders. Many will die. That the forest lives on. But the Ewoks are brave. The little bear creature fixed his gaze on the others in the hut. Not a word was spoken. Nonetheless, the communication was intense. After a minute like this, he concluded his statement. Honorable elders, <laughs> we must aid this noble party, not less for the trees, but more for the sake of the leaves on the trees. These rebels are like Ewoks, who are like the leaves, battered by the wind, eaten without thought by the tumult of locusts that inhabit the world. Yet do we throw ourselves on smoldering fires that any other may know the warmth of light? Yet do we make a soft bed of ourselves that another may know rest? Yet do we swirl in the wind that assails us to send the fear of chaos into the hearts of our enemies? Yet do we change color even as the season calls upon us to change? So must we help our leaf brothers, these rebels, for so has come a season of change upon us. Jeez, this is Robert Frost? I don't, like... Pretty wow. intense, right? Yeah. Pretty intense. What's the last, like, few sentences of this book? In a while, the two droids sidled over as well to stand beside their dearest comrades. The fuzzy Ewoks continued in wild jubilation far into the night, while the small company of gallant adventurers watched on from the sidelines. For an effervescent moment, looking into the bonfire, Luke thought he saw faces dancing. Yoda, Ben, was it his father? He drew away from his companions to try to see what the faces were saying. They were ephemeral and spoke only to the shadows of the flames, and then disappeared altogether. It gave Luke a momentary sadness, but then Leia took his hand and drew him back close to her and to the others, back into their circle of warmth and camaraderie and love. The Empire was dead. Long live the Alliance. So it's like faces in a fire, not yeah, they're not ghosts. they're not forced ghosts. They, he's it's more haunting. He's looking into the bonfire and sees them almost getting lost in the fire, but Leia's bringing him back. Yeah, into their warmth, but then he leaves their warmth and... He goes and lives on a very wet, cold rock for a really long time. But we have to remember, we didn't see him build up his academy and all the success that he had before the grand failure. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, they probably had a good 20 years of nice times, some barbecues couple picnics, maybe some trips to like Cloud City together, some reunions, Luke go back to the farm and give Aunt, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen a proper burial, that kind of thing, like show Leia, like this is where I grew up, and then Leia like, well I'd love to show you where I grew up, but like our dad blew the fucking shit out of our planet, so like <laughs> there's no way to show you that. Technically Tarkin did, but... Technically, yeah, I suppose you're right, it was Tarkin. Invader's but... defense, okay. that's my, I would be, I'm, I'm the lawyer of the evil people. I know, you're totally <laughs> like Invader's lawyer over here. <laughs> so anything final about the Return of the Jedi? You know, I know we strayed far this time, but uh, anything about Jedi... Anything about Jedi? Toys? Did you have any of the Star Wars toys? Did no, I, uh, just lightsabers. Okay, I had a Rancor monster and That's a awesome. and a Wicket the Ewok, uh -huh. and I fed Wicket to the Rancor, and I could never get him out ever. Like the Rancor's mouth went up and down, so I was like, oh, maybe I could fit an Ewok in here, and sure enough, I did. He was eternally being digested in the Rancor monster's toy belly. You like shake the Rancor and hear the Ewok toy in him, like, rattle around. And wow. But you, you just had the lightsabers, pretty much? Yeah, I had 
I think Vader was my first lightsaber. And then Luke's green Return of the Jedi lightsaber. I had those two for a long time, and then even though I was, like, older and didn't play with... Well, I still played with them. But, I mean, like, I was... I got, like, newer lightsabers when, like, the movies started coming out again. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had uh, ones that could, like, the retractable ones and everything. Yeah, I mean, those were... I had both... Yeah, the ones that I had were retractable. They had great sounds, but it always annoyed me that, like, the last length of color didn't fully retract. Oh, they didn't? They do now. I think they do they now. They finally have cool... Yeah, good ones that make noises and retract all the light. But I also do have... I it was given to me, like, when I was, like, 19 or 20, my friends that just knew that I was so into Star Wars. It was, like, one they got at, like, Sharper Image or something like that. They bought it. The actual Luke, the one that has, like, the plexi, like, you know, full-length one that does not retract, but lights up green, you know, with LEDs and makes, like, really good sound. So I do... So you know what? Hey, the what the lightsaber that I... The best lightsaber I have is Return of the Jedi. I would love to have, like, a... The, just, like, the hilt... Like, the handle displayed somewhere. When I was a kid, they didn't have the retractable ones. They they were just long-ass lightsabers that never went into the handle or anything, but they made amazing sounds. They sounded like didgeridoos or something. They were just like... Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's call this a show, and let's get out of here. Why don't you please, if you would, take this time and tell the audience, Kyle, what are you up to? Alright, so yeah, my main promotion now is my solo podcast. Foodie Films is my podcast. It airs on uh, Wednesdays, but obviously you can listen to it whenever. I would say definitely your episode is aired by now. Oh yeah. You came came on for... uh, Silent Green. Silent Greatest people. You are my go-to. Like, I love talking sci-fi with you. That was a perfect first episode for you to be on, but definitely won't be the only one. But yeah, so Foodie Films, tune in for that. It's just, it's, it, I'm, ha- I'm having so much fun. Again, it's just my love of food, my love of film, and that great, what I'm calling it, the uh, fusion. Yeah, so check that out. Yes. Well, you will definitely be back on Third Time's a Charm, and, uh, you know, not just for Star Wars movies, so, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Because, <laughs> I, like I said earlier, I don't know that I have any other friends that could go this deep in or want to talk this much about Star Wars and could even go longer than what we've talked for. But, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming. This has been a really fun time recording this episode, and uh, thanks for sticking with me to the end. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, may the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. <laughs> That'll do it for The Return of the Jedi. I hope you enjoyed Book Club and Read Along Record Club. Oh, and Opening Trading Cards Club. Once again, I gotta thank my Leaf brother Kyle for coming by and talking wars. Make sure to check out his show, Foodie Films, and P.S. I Still Love Hoffman, which he co-hosts with Brian Late Night Rodriguez. Also be sure to stay tuned for the unprecedented three-episode crossover event for Fast and the Furious 3, Tokyo Drift. Allow me to explain. At the moment, you can catch me guesting over on lap three of Too Fast, Too Forever, the Fast and the Furious podcast by Joey and Joe Two. 
Well, coming up is the Tokyo Drift episode in which our good friend Brian Late Night Rodriguez himself will be joining us in the car. Now, since we all have our own shows that focus on different aspects of movies, we're going to each have a Tokyo Drift episode that month. Part 1 is on the Too Fast Too Forever feed, Part 2 is on Brian's High School Slumber Party feed, and of course, Part 3 is right here on Third Time's a Charm. So be sure to tune in to each of those episodes spread across the Cage Club network this February. So for all things Third Time's a Charm, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, and cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the network Patreon page where you can donate to support the network and possibly control what we watch. Make sure you tune into Too Fast, Too Forever and High School Slumber Party this month and come back here in two weeks for part three of the three-part crossover event for Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. All right, that's going to do it for today. So until next time, I'm Mike, and may the Force be with you. Three, that's the magic number. Three. Yes, it is. It's the magic number. Three. Three makes the me, and that's the magic number. What does it all mean?